Hey listeners, welcome to the Alma Bay Spotlight's podcast. I'm your host Kalyan and on this show I will interview a diverse set of alumni relations and fundraising professionals that work at institutions of all types and sizes, not just the large popular ones you'll hear from at conferences. My aim is to bring people whose stories are more relatable so that their ideas are more actionable for you. Today, I'm going to be talking to Steve Bondarin, Director of Alumni Relations at Providence Day School, a private college prep school in Charlotte, North Carolina. We talk about his experiences in college at University of South Carolina, leading to professional baseball for the Oakland Athletics and eventually to his current role in alumni relations. We also talk about what's worked well for them in terms of alumni engagement and some plans going forward. What I loved about this conversation is his constant focus on providing value to alumni. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Steve, thanks a ton for taking the time to join me on the Alma Bay Spotlights podcast. I'm excited to learn more about your journey and your ideas today. Yeah, Kalyan, thanks for having me on and excited to, to be here and chat about um, my role and Providence Day a little bit and kind of my journey and just really excited to, to be a part of this and help help share my journey with everyone. Absolutely. I'd love to, um, you know, sort of get into your current role. But before that, I'd like to start from the real beginning. Um, I see that you went to Providence Day School yourselves for high school. What do you remember about being in high school at Providence Day? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I've, I've actually worked for both my alma maters now, so I guess it's a trend for me. But, um, you know, growing, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and that's where Providence Day is. And, um, you know, it's the school has changed quite a bit as far as the look of it. I mean, we've grown, added new buildings, um, really, uh, you know, everything's improved <laughs> since, since I attended at Providence Day. But what I kind of really do remember are just the, the great relationships. It's a, a TK through 12 school. So um, a lot of our um, alums are you know, s- students that had attended since TK or kindergarten. And it's really kind of a, a family atmosphere of kind of lower, middle and upper school students. So um, that's that kind of family atmosphere that you have. And um, although the school, the look of it has changed a little bit, um, that same environment is here. So that's, those are the main things and just kind of the, the academic success um, that the school prepared me for. I think those were the kind of big takeaways from, from my time at Providence Day. Yeah. And then I, after high school, you decided to pursue a bachelor's degree in uh, marketing and management at University of South Carolina. I'm curious, how did you decide to go there and how was your experience in college? Yeah. So, you know, I looked at uh, several schools kind of in the geographic area um, that, you know, had great business schools, one, um, but also I was, um, I was a, a really good uh, baseball athlete in high school and I was getting looked at by different colleges as well um, for, to play baseball at the next level. So, you know, part of my decision was athletics as well as academics um, and kind of geographic location, kind of all of those combined. So, narrowed it down to a couple schools um, at the end with really great business schools and, and great baseball programs and uh, decided on the University of South Carolina was a great fit for me. Um, and then that worked out really well. I, I was able to double major um, in marketing and management and then also got my master's in, in human resources. So um, I think 
you know, the decision was, was great for me and also had a really successful baseball career in college. So that obviously worked out. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of the, are there any interesting stories from your, uh, from your time at college playing baseball? Yeah, we, uh, we had some really good teams when I was there. Um, early two thousands is, is when I was, when I was there at school and, um, my junior and senior year, we both, we made it to the college world series, um, which is kind of the, the, the final eight teams, which is a really great accomplishment for us. Um, and I pitched in the semifinal game against, uh, at the time our arch rival was Clemson, uh, just because of location right down the road from us, um, in state school. And so, um, I threw a complete game against Clemson and, and beat them. And then we lost the next day in the national championship to Texas, but it was just an unbelievable experience. Um, and then just great exposure to, to, to get looks from, from major league scouts and things like that. It was, it was just kind of great to represent the school and, and be, beat my arch rival. And also just, um, you know, playing in front of 25,000 people is, is always a fun experience. Yeah, that sounds like an absolute dream. Um, you know, and right after college, you then went on to become a professional baseball player for the Oakland Athletics. I'm I'm really curious, you know, what was the story? What was the thinking behind uh, pursuing professional baseball right after college? Because I'm sure you had plenty of different choices, but, you know, you picked baseball. Uh, what was the thought process? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to beat getting paid to play a game. So, you know, the thought was <laughs> I'll keep playing as long as I can, if it makes sense. I have a very supportive family that, um, you know, playing professional baseball is a little different than maybe football and basketball, some of the bigger sports, as far as, um, you know, when you're playing in the lower levels, you're not making a ton of money, but it, it's, uh, it's a great experience. I got to travel, travel the country and play in a lot of different cities all over the country. And, um, really great experience. I finished up in, um, in AAA out in Sacramento, California, um, was where I finished up. And then um, I was a pitcher and had a couple arm injuries that kind of forced my retirement after about five years of playing, but unbelievable experience. Um, I guess the only downside is it, it kind of delays your real professional career as far as when you're done playing, you know, what are you going to do? So, um, it, it delayed that a little bit, but I wouldn't trade the experience or, um, just had a great time. Like I said, going all the country, building relationships, um, and playing the game that I love. So that was kind of the thinking behind it. And, um, again, had a great supportive family that allowed me to do that. Yeah. And I think those are really like once in a lifetime kind of opportunities. So, you know, I'm really glad to see that, that, you know, you took that path, but I'm also curious, how did you then sort of get into this wonderful world of alumni relations from being a baseball player? Yeah. So when I, when I finished playing, I, I went back to the university of South Carolina to work, um, in athletics. Actually, I worked for seven years in athletics, uh, as an academic advisor. And so I worked with, uh, baseball, men's soccer and volleyball. Those were my teams that I oversaw. And, you know, it was a great way for me to, you know, give back to the school, um, help develop student athletes, uh, making sure that they were achieving their, you know, academic uh, dreams and getting the degrees they wanted, um, just keeping them eligible, things like that. 
but it was just, again, great way for me to mentor and, and give back. And, um, that's kind of what I've always been about. I've been about kind of this team uh, aspect and, um, being a leader and really just developing people. And so, um, after doing that at, at South Carolina for about seven years, I, I was ready to really get back to kind of home in Charlotte. Um, so I worked at the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce for about a year. And so in that role, I was um, doing uh, high level membership sales for the chamber. So it was a great way for me to a just meet a lot of great companies and C-level executives in the Charlotte area. Um, B, kind of learn Charlotte again. I mean, although I grew up in Charlotte, um, I'd have been away from the city for about 10 years. So it was a great way to kind of um, get back involved and really understand how Charlotte had changed over the years. Um, and in that process, I um, actually was talking to Providence Day about kind of their involvement with the, the Charlotte Chamber and kind of how they can get involved. And that's when I found out about um, the director of alumni relations role had been open. And so again, it was a great fit for me of, um, building relationships. I was able to work with students, current students on campus and kind of help develop them, but also work with alums and, um, building those relationships and, and providing, you know, value and resources for, for our alums. So, I mean, it all kind of fit into what I was looking to do. I think a, a long-term goal was, um, being an athletics director. And so, you know, this, this role for me was a great way to, um, develop my fundraising skills, um, you know, personal relationship skills, um, but also understanding kind of the way a school operates and the way a school runs. And so all of those things were intriguing for me. And that's, that was kind of a big part of why uh, I took this position six years ago. Yeah, I always ask, um, I always tend to go into the journey of how uh, somebody gets into alumni relations, because, you know, as you and I have discussed in the past as well, there isn't really a professional degree that brings you into alumni relations. You can't study alumni relations, but, you know, your, your journey is so interesting because, you know, it seems like, um, I don't know if you know other people who have gone from being in athletics to going into alumni relations, but at least your story seems very unique to me. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, sort of working at a school that you studied at versus let's say if you were to have an opportunity to work as the alumni director at a different institution where you didn't study, how do you think your role would differ? Yeah, I think, uh, learning curve is one. I mean, you know, I was able to kind of come in, um, to Providence day and really understand the culture, um, and know, as a student, kind of what I went through. And so I can understand what the students are going through. I can understand what the alums that I work with on a daily basis, what they have experienced in the past. And so I think learning curve wise, you know, it was just much easier for me to jump into this role and, and kind of hit the ground running. You know, I think that's the big thing. Um, you know, just again, just knowing the culture, understanding kind of way things operate. Obviously, it's a little different being on this side of it versus a student. Um, so you still have to learn the different departments and, and kind of how things operate uh, on the back end. But um, I think that's kind of really helped me. Also, being an alum of the school, I feel like when I communicate with my, you know, 
communicate with the alums, it's it's much easier. They understand that I'm an alum, that I, I know I've been there, I've done that. And so that makes things a lot easier too in this role and easier for our, the alums to communicate with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit here and dive into your current role more. Um, so as director of alumni relations at Providence Day School, what are your top priorities at the moment? And, and also, are you still um, coaching baseball as well or alumni relations is your full-time thing? Yeah. So I do actually, co- I'm an assistant coach for baseball, uh, varsity baseball. Um, so I still am involved there after work. and. Um, Again, great way to build relationships with the current students because they will soon be alums and, and then that they have a face they understand and they know and a very familiar face. So that, that's a great way to stay connected with the current students. Um, my, my top priorities, you know, with, with my role here are obviously events and programming. Those are the big things, uh, fundraising with alumni. And then, you know, the big thing is providing that bridge back to Providence Day for our alums. And so I am that connection. If they want tours or they, they remember a, a teacher that they would love to connect with, I mean, I'm that connection back. I really, it's all about bringing back positive memories of their time at the school and, and kind of engaging them on that level. Um, but also, you know, just making sure I'm bringing value. I mean, that that is the most important thing that we can do is um, people have so many things they can do. And so why would they engage with Providence Day? Well, it's, you know, providing those valuable resources that, um, that are essential for them. And so if that's, that's my main role. That's what I focus on. Obviously, uh, I feel like sometimes I'm a, a Marcom director too, because I, a lot of it is communications and emails, phone calls, uh, face-to-face interaction, although we haven't had too much of that in the past year. Um, you know, I run the, the social media platforms for, uh, our alumni. So on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, I, I run those accounts. So I think that's the kind of beauty of this role is it's very cyclical. We have certain events that you always have every year and, um, you know, you know what to expect on some of the, on that level somewhat, but you know, it's always changing. You're always interacting with, with new people. And uh, that's what keeps it kind of fresh and exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. And, you know, I've I've known you for um, several years now. And one of the things that really strikes me about you is how you always talk about providing value to your alumni, as opposed to just relying on, let's say, loyalty towards their institution, right? So you're always thinking about what can I do that's valuable for who my alumni are today. And I think that's an amazing um, way to think about, you know, building a pipeline of engaged alumni, right? And I've always admired the kind of things that you're doing at at Providence Day. I'd love for you to walk us through any good examples of events or social media campaigns or maybe alumni engagement strategies that have really worked well for you because I think the audience will really learn a lot from that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, so this past year has obviously been been very unique um, on multiple levels, but um, so we've had to pivot and adapt just like everyone has um, to stay relevant and really kind of connect with our alums where we couldn't do it face to face. And so I, th- I think some things this past year, if you want to focus there, that we've done that have been successful, we, we 
we started doing a, a panel discussion series um, virtually, and it was called we call it PD Perspectives. And so we'll highlight different industries or different topics that, again, we feel like can add value. And so um, we bring in three or four alums, talk about a certain industry and the successes they, they've had, their journey, kind of similar to this, um, and really kind of get their perspective and insights on you know, how the pandemic has affected that industry and kind of what they're looking to do in the next year or two. So I think it really gives um, a nice insight to, to those alums' experiences. And so, you know, without the pandemic, um, you know, we've been trying to get this panel discussion off the ground for a few years. And logistically, always you can run into some issues of, you know, we obviously bring alums back to campus and typically it would be one, one person talking to our students or, you know, one person talking to uh, just the PD community in general. But, you know, being able to do it virtually and get alums engaged all over the country or all over the world, really, uh, to participate on a panel um, has been exciting. And, you know, you remove some of those logistic issues and, you know, you can, as long as you get a time that works and they can use Zoom or Google Meet or whatever platform you use, uh, it's pretty simple to do. And we record those. And we send it out to our fellow alumni and, you know, we get thousands of views where if you host it on campus with one alum, you know, on a panel or something, and, you know, you might get a couple hundred people attending, um, just the exposure is, is limited. So I think going forward, no matter what we do, I'm sure we'll do a hybrid of, you know, in-person events and, and virtual events going forward. But, uh, I think this panel discussion series is something just that will stay um, and has really opened up some doors for us that we didn't have before. So I think that's a big one for us. Um, we started doing uh, virtual concerts. We called them drop the mic concerts. So it was a great way for our um, performance uh, alums to come out and really showcase their talents. And uh, again, we get thousands of views on those concerts, even if it's, maybe only a hundred or so watching it live. We record it, we blast it out. And it's a great way to showcase our alums talents really from anywhere from their, from their home or their bedroom and where they're performing. So that has been really cool. Um, we started doing wellness Wednesdays over this past year, really our alums that are in the healthcare industry and, uh, yeah. you know, they're doing workout tips or nutrition tips, eating healthy or, uh, mental health tips. Uh, we've all need to go through some of that and kind of wellness checks. And so those wellness Wednesdays have, <laughs> have been a great way to uh, kind of, again, showcase our alums in those industries and really provide, again, value to our alums that maybe are, are suffering from um, being in, in lockdown or whatever it was over the past year. But uh, those are some cool things we've done the past year. I mean, I, I would say just in general, uh, we do roadshow events all over the country, which I can't wait to get back to our different cities all over the country. But we would have events in L.A. and San Francisco, and Boston, New York, D.C., and Atlanta, and Raleigh and Chapel Hill, more closer to, to Charlotte. But um, it's a great way. Our alums that can't come back to Charlotte or can't come back to campus, we go to them. We host these events. It's a great way for them to network in their cities. Um, build relationships and really kind of open doors for them um, with fellow alumni. And so 
that's been something I, again, I can't wait to get back out there. Um, and we have some great alums that are chapter chairs in those cities and they kind of do events throughout the year. And then I'll, I'll go once a year and visit those cities and do really cool events. So, um, that's probably one of my favorite programs that we do. And, um, again, can't wait to, to get those going again and be able to travel and see those faces uh, in person versus uh, on a screen. Yeah, I bet, um, you know, we're all waiting for some travel to, uh, to come back in some shape or form. I think what I love the most about, you know, whether it's your, uh, panel discussions or the virtual concerts, the thing that you're doing really well is you're thinking about it from an alumni centric perspective and sort of saying, how do I reduce friction for my alumni to participate? And, you know, I get this question a lot saying that, Hey, if we did a virtual event, would it be helpful if we recorded it and then sent it out to all of our alumni? Because that then gives them, you know, a motivation to potentially not join, but just listen to the recording. Right. But I think the right way to think about it is like what you said, which is, okay, whoever's able to participate live, you know, can access it live, but then you have all of these alumni and then you have this great content that you've just recorded. How do you actually reduce the friction by then sending that content to all of your alumni? And, you know, if somebody actually watched the recording, they're probably as engaged and, you know, feeling as connected to the school as somebody who attended live, right. Or at least almost there. Um, have you seen a broader scope of engagement or, you know, in terms of numbers of alumni that have engaged with the school over the last year, given that you've gone virtual, has that increased for you? It has, uh, you know, and that was a concern at the beginning, you know, when we were thinking about these virtual events, it was, you know, are people going to attend? I mean, is this, is it going to be a bust? I mean, we don't know. And, um, you know, we had great attendance, you know, live, but I, th I think you hit the nail on the head there is, you know, it's more of the exposure after the fact. I mean, like I said, we got thousands of views on these different discussions and, you know, that's a bigger reach than we've had before. Um, now we've, we've had very successful in-person events in the past. And I mean, we get for homecoming, you know, again, we're a smaller school, so we're not on the college and university level as far as numbers go, but, you know, for homecoming, we'll have a barbecue or we'll have, you know, 500 attendees. And, you know, for reunions, we'll have, you know, a couple hundred for reunions. I mean, it's, it's really nice turnout and great engagement. Um, and we're going to continue to do those things. But I think, you know, recording different events and putting it out there, you know, you just, it's a broader reach, broader scope. And, you know, we're engaging alums that we haven't engaged with in years. and um, I think that's, you know, partly because we're, we're, we have gone virtual for some of our stuff and that's why we'll keep some of that going forward up there. I mean, zoom fatigue is real. There's no doubt about that. Um, but if you can offer up these, you know, important conversations or these panel discussions where, um, you know, you're not seeing that every day, um, I think, you know, it's important to continue that and, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the reach is much broader and, um, you know, we'll see how it you know, translates to like giving numbers or we'll see how it translates to in-person events when we start having those again. We're, we're hoping that will impact our in-person events. Uh, we're hoping that, you know, we'll have more attendance in person because they really enjoyed the virtual events. And they, you know, maybe they built some connections with 
fellow alums that they didn't have before, and now they want to see them in person. So we'll see how it translates over this next year, but I, I do think it's, it's been a major impact. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty certain of that. And also, uh, you know, all of the great work that you and your team have been doing over the years have obviously led to really successful sort of alumni participation um, metrics as well. What are your biggest challenges at the moment, Steve? I would say biggest challenges right now, is, you know, we're kind of in this limbo zone where um, we're still restricted. We're not having, as far as the school and administration goes, we're not allowed to have in-person events quite yet. And so, you know, looking at the fall is, you know, I'm planning for in-person events still, but understanding that, you know, we still may not be completely out of it by then. So uh, the challenge is you still have to plan for these in-person events and plan for, you know, promotion of the events and things like that, but also know that, you know, it still could be virtual in the early fall. And so um, that's where we struggle a little bit right now is truly it's, it's not a, a crystal clear picture on what this fall is going to look like for us. I mean, things are really improving here in the Charlotte area, but you know, that still doesn't mean it's going to be like that everywhere. And then if you have reunions or homecoming events where you're inviting alums from all over the country and, you know, that, that impacts us. So, um, yeah, that's the challenge right now is, is kind of balancing the virtual versus in-person and still planning for in-persons and, and really not knowing where it's going to be come August, September, October. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, um, relate to that. And, you know, I think the whole industry has sort of, um, had to adapt so much over the, over the last 12 to 15 months that, you know, we've all seen how, um, flexible we all are in terms of figuring out how to continue to provide value to our alumni and continue to engage them. So I'm sure you'll figure this out as well. Um, we're, we're sort of inching towards the close here, but before we wrap up, Steve, I have three final questions for you. Um, what's one book that you would recommend to your peers? One book. Um, you know, there's, I, I like to read books more on like a personal level. Um, it, it, it impacts my profession, but I think there's one, uh, and he's an interesting guy, but, uh, I think the book's called ask Gary V it's, uh, I think it's called one entrepreneur's, uh, take on leadership, social media and, uh, self-awareness. Um, and it really, it's a great, um, book that kind of gives you insights into marketing and social media and just, uh, pursuing your passion. Um, you know, taking more of a practical approach, um, to your business and your industry. So I think it's great. You know, you know, it gives some really good points there. Um, it's really good from a fundraising perspective, kind of to understand, you know, how people think and um, how to lead in that area. So, um, and really just being self-aware. So I think it's, it's a good book that kind of impacts, can impact you personally, but it definitely translates into kind of my, you know, everyday activities and, and how to be able to reach out to alums and, and make those connections with our alums. So that's one book that I've looked over the last three or four years that I always kind of reread or uh, look at every now and then when I'm kind of trying to figure things out. Yeah. Yeah. Gary V's amazing. Um, there's a lot of content he posts on uh, social media as well, which is phenomenal. 
Um, all right. What advice would you give uh, your 20-year-old self, Steve? What would I give advice to my 20-year-old self? Um, I would say kind of get out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, try new things, try new experiences. I think every time I've done that, um, I've learned new things. Um, I've built new relationships. Um, and that those relationships and that new knowledge has really kind of helped me, um, think outside the box and, and grow as not just individual, but, um, make an impact with others. So I feel like, you know, it's always, you know, you want to be comfortable and you want to do things that, you know, and it's always pretty good to have routine. But, um, you know, if I was 20 years old and I'm thinking that I just want to keep doing the same things. I mean, you just need to get out of your comfort zone, try new things. And, and just the knowledge and relationships that you build is, is so impactful. Yeah. I love that. I would say you've done plenty of get out of comfort zone uh, things <laughs> in your career so far. Sure. <laughs> um, I have one final question. What's your favorite resource or software tool um, in your current role? I mean, it, it could be just content or any resource or, or a software tool that's really helpful for you. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and it's not because you're hosting this podcast, but uh, all based platform. <laughs> I, I tell you, I'm not just saying this. I mean, we're a small office here and it has been a, a lifesaver for me. Um, we've, we've had the platform, I guess a few years now and, um, you know, just, just from a communication standpoint of being able to send out newsletters and emails to certain groups that, you know, I want to contact and it's just made things so much easier and the tracking and the metrics behind it, as far as open rates and click through rates and things like that, really seeing that engagement on the back end has been very powerful for me. Um, you know, for our alums, when we, they use the platform, just the directory, which we didn't have one before, um, the map function where they can see, their fellow classmates in different cities and where they're at, um, you know, and being able to connect with them and, and link up with them. I mean, that type of thing has been so powerful for our alums. They use it daily. And, um, and just from an event standpoint, we put all of our events on the platform and, you know, I can see who's attending. Others can see who's attending and it just makes my life so much easier. And I can focus on, um, you know, building those relationships, having that interaction with our alums versus, you know, being kind of bogged down with the day to day, um, tasks that we all have to do. We all enjoy doing it, but, um, we can kind of focus more on the, the relationships and, um, the things that we want to focus on versus kind of the clerical stuff. So, uh, the platform has been huge for me, um, streamlining the work and, and letting, letting me do what I love to do, which is you know, interacting with people. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, Steve, I should definitely mention that I did not pay you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again uh, for that feedback. We've, you've been a wonderful uh, partner for us here at Alma base. And so that's, that's all the questions that I've got. Um, thank you again so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me, Steve, have a good one. Happy to be here. Appreciate it. And uh, if anybody ever wants to reach out, feel free to. I'm happy to chat. Thank you so much. Take care.